0: Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I'm your host Ben Kreider, and today I'm gonna to be talking about the free agent market. Kind of been talking about it the last couple days, but the number of prospects continues to just whittle down. So I gotta talk about that, of course. But also I gotta talk about the summer league because we are nearing summer league play, and Oklahoma City they have not issued out a roster yet. And we have started to kind of crack down on things. So I'm gonna give you guys my projection before it comes out and just maybe what to expect before Summer League kicks off in Las Vegas. But you gotta start with free agency. I talked about it in yesterday's episode. The Thunder have like $28 million remaining. Like the only movement they've done so far is keeping Isaiah Roby under lock and Mike Muscala for 3.5 mil that's nothing, you know, compared to what other teams have been doing. OKC, they might be the least active team in the league right now in terms of acquisitions. They haven't brought on anybody new outside of the draft. So they're sitting really nice financially where teams like the Knicks and the Spurs, they have 40, 50 million dollars to blow. They used it up in the first 40 hours of free agency on guys like Zach Collins and Alec Burks, you know, and there are still some pretty good players. Available for grabs, and a couple of them are off the board now, and I think it's worth addressing because it actually does change the situation of maybe what the Thunder could do, and it might give them an advantage heading forward. And this starts out with the Charlotte Hornets and what their situation was. Now, yesterday when I did my podcast, there was actually a pretty good claim that the Hornets were interested in Lori Markkinen, and truthfully they probably still are. Now, Markinen, he's not under a deal right now. I'm going to go into his situation, but he's readily available. Anyone can make an offer on him, and the Bulls have an option to match the offer sheet, and Charlotte seemed to be the big name. You could try to maybe push out a sign-and-trade deal because Devontae Graham, he went to the Pelicans. On the Bulls' side of things, you had Lonzo Ball in there, so you can kind of finish off that triangle by sending marketing down to charlotte and you can kind of figure out the details later but it looks like that probably won't be reached and if it does happen where marketing goes to charlotte i'm gonna be shocked because they just used a good chunk of their salary and picking up kelly Oubre jr and they got him on a two-year 26 million dollar deal he was looking for a contract anywhere from 15 million to 20 million and this is just how free agency is gone, and we're going to continue to see it with some of these bigger names still available. You know, they have these really high evaluations for themselves, and as they should, you know, if they believe they're worth 15 mil a year, by all means, go for that. Kelly Oubre, really high volume scorer with the Suns. With the Warriors, he was still putting up numbers. He had a lot of competition there, but, you know, he was able to get kind of close to what he wanted. Two mil under. I'm not going to say that w- that went terribly for him, considering how long it took him to get a deal compared to maybe some of the other guys in this free agency class, but he's joining them now. They have LaMelo Ball. They just got James Booknight. Malik Monk, he's completely out of the picture, but they've also picked up some other guys like Kai Jones, for example, and they're going to be up and running. So They got a really good player in Kelly Oubre Jr., but they also shot themselves in the foot in terms of what maybe they can go to next and I think Kelly Oubre was one of the top five guys still left on the market so it wasn't a bad move by them whatsoever but if Lori Markkinen was the grand prize I don't know if they're going to be able to get there and that might subtract them from a potential race if the Thunder were interested in Laurie Markkinen so you just got to keep that in the back of your head one thing that you also got to think about which sucks for us is Reggie Jackson's coming back to the Los Angeles Clippers and he got inked to a 2-year, 22 million dollar contract and honestly, I don't understand how, you know, the salary works. Like vaguely, I kind of get the premise of it, but all these different exceptions are kind of ridiculous when you get down to it. And you have those like minimum exceptions that you can toss out once every 2 years. That's what Blake Griffin Got signed on with the Brooklyn Nets, for example. Like some of those out of nowhere acquisitions, middle of the year, that's what they come from. Those exceptions, the mid level exception, that's the big one where you're going to see five, six million dollars going to somebody for a season. In the case of Reggie Jackson, I seriously don't know how this contract came to be because it's a very Interesting deal when you think of it, because when you looked at where the Clippers were financially heading into the season or heading into this off season, they've kind of been hogtied, and I guess this deal might have been possible due to Kawhi Leonard not officially signing a deal yet. But it's still very confusing to me how you can pay somebody 11 million dollars when you're already kind of operating above the cap. So. CBA rules are just very funky they got Reggie Jackson under lock though and that sucks for us because we know Kawhi's not going to play for them but now we know that PG has kind of a co-star and I don't know if you want to coin him as your co-star but based off the playoffs I mean he was the second best player on the Clippers team and honestly at times he took over games in isolation where I'd pick him out of anybody you know, available on either team. He just got in that zone. And we saw it with OKC against Memphis. That was a big one where he drops like a 30-piece, pretty much saves their season in the first round. We know he's clutch. We know he's able to put up a lot of points. So they kind of need that. They need a playmaker, obviously. And they were able to do so out, just out of thin air, pretty much. So when you look at the Clippers now, Kawhi probably will be returning for them. I still think they're one of those teams that would sneak into the playoffs right now, whether it be like a play in or just naturally they're like the five or six seed. That's about where they're at for me. I don't think they're going to be in a top four seed because Kawhi Leonard's gone, but they definitely reduced some of this blowback by getting Reggie Jackson on. And that was a home run move by them. You know, when you look at some of the other guards available, Dennis Schroeder is the big one, and he's still available. But you couldn't assign him under the CBA rule, whatever it may be. So they got Jackson. That was the best guy for their current situation. And that's that. And on top of that, too, they even got Justice Winslow, who, you know, he's kind of been flaky. I know Memphis Grizzly fans haven't thought so highly of him. Like, you know, a lot of the times when Winslow was in Miami and then even with Memphis, it was about these like spurts of greatness and all the potential he has. People I've heard you know, out of Memphis, they don't see a lot of those glimpses, and they said, you know, last season there wasn't a ton of them for Justice Winslow, so he's going to be in a better situation with the Clippers, obviously, because, you know, they're looking to contend, but, you know, they got a guy there who could be something for them, and they're going to need to get a lot of crucial bench players because of what happened with the Kawhi Leonard injury, but I want to revert back to Lori Markkinen of course because this is a person that the Thunder have had their eyes on there's been reported interest from them dating back as far as last week and there's been a couple other teams interested San Antonio was the big one looks like they got Zach Collins the spiel that I've heard uh, was that the Spurs wanted to make an offer but the price was way too high so that's why they went with Zach Collins and that was that for them also, the Hornets were in that conversation. As I mentioned, no dice with them. I think they have used a lot of their, you know, salary. And now the Thunder have 28 mil still. Everyone else is just dipping down lower and lower into these taxes. They just don't have the money. And, you know, they are primed to make a sign and trade deal, make some sort of deal, eat up salary from someone else and get assets. I don't know if it's a first or if it's Lori Markkinen himself, but they have the money to do so, and I don't think there's any other teams really outside of Chicago that can do that straight up without making moves prior to this, or just doing a side and trade, and one of the things that came out of Lori Markkinen's camp, and I believe it actually came straight out of his mouth, was, you know, he does not want to stay in Chicago. The quote was, we have offers from several different teams I want a fresh start to my NBA career somewhere else. Hopefully, things will be sorted out quickly with the Bulls. So he's done. He wants to cut ties. He wants to just reinvigorate himself on another franchise. And that's understandable. I mention it day in, day out. Now, the way that he was utilized wasn't really that good. After he had, you know, those elbow injuries, after Boylan took over, it just spiraled out of control, and I think he's kind of been misused a bit, so he could get new life elsewhere, and he's only 24, so there is clear potential with him. Now, from the Bulls' side, when you have someone like Lori Markkinen begging to get out, 24-year-old who wasn't bad for you at all last year, is pretty productive, obviously at off games, but he has actual value. They could try to sign and trade him, and that could be the only option they want to go with. They have his rights. They extended that qualifying offer to him, and they're going to dictate what happens with him. So they're the end all be all. And if the Thunder don't want to make an offer, or whoever don't want to make a good enough offer, they can be really stingy. And then Lori Markkanen is just stuck, you know, being a chess piece in just this giant game. You don't want to see that happen, of course. So deals will come in as marketing has mentioned several different teams have placed offers out and i don't know if the thunder would be one of those teams but you could kind of see it and it's kind of one of those talks to where do we really want Lori Markin on this team I, I say it all the time but two three years ago the answer was undoubtedly yes he fit exactly what we needed for that current time we needed a stretch four, and he only needed to play power forward for us. Now, you look at what Lori Markkinen provides. He's going to be a great scorer for you. He's going to help out a lot in terms of SGA. He needs a guy you can stretch it from, you know, a front court setting. And Lori Markkinen, he's shot above 40%, you know, most of his career. I know he did last year on like six attempts a game. So he would be perfect there. And he still has a little bit of an athletic side to him as well. So offensively this is a guy that is great for you. Now, when you look at the flip side of things, he maybe isn't the best fit on defense because seven feet tall, he's not giant. Like He's not that toned up, maybe like a John Collins would be. That's the really only comparison I make with 2017 guys, specifically with those two. But um, yeah, I mean, he's not he's not insanely big like I don't know if he can take 30 minutes a game at center all the time and for the Thunder we're kind of used to them not playing traditional centers in their lineups so would it be all that bad probably not I think if you do sign him he is going to be your true center and that's going to be that you can talk about Poku getting his reps taken away I don't know how much we're going to see Poku at the five if at all he doesn't look insanely big Uh, I know that probably doesn't matter in Mark Dagnall's eyes, but, you know, Laurie Markkinen is a bit bigger, and he would help in terms of some lineups, but, yeah, he's not going to be the greatest defender on back-to-basket bigs. That has been shown a lot with him. That's one of the biggest markups when you look at how he plays. It's specifically on the defensive front, so he'd have to work through it, but, The way it is right now, Favors is going to play for you. He's actually pretty solid. I think he's going to be a productive guy. He has a decent face-up mid-range game, not really a three. Mike Muscala, we're used to him. He's going to be a sturdy backup regardless of what happens. So technically, you can kind of live with this. And you have Isaiah Roby playing small ball five. Maybe Jeremiah Robinson Earl does as well. You could make it work with those four and it'd be pretty funky in the rotations, but it would work, but Laurie Markkinen clearly would be better than all of those guys, when you want to look at someone who can play long term for you, Markkinen can check those boxes, and whether it's at power forward or center, he does have the potential, and the way everyone's just tossing out their money, it's really depleted right now, and you might be able to pick this guy up for 12, 13, 14 million dollars, a couple years ago, this guy was on track to make 20 mil a year, and same goes with guys like Schroeder as well. He literally had a twenty-plus million dollar offer on the table a couple weeks ago. So times change, and I think this would be a really smart project based on the money that you'd have to you know spend on him. If it's not above fifteen mil, you could try it. I know, obviously, though, the Thunder their philosophy is you know, you're trying to harvest as many draft picks, you're trying to keep those ping pong balls high, and maybe Markkinen would shift those the wrong direction, so I don't know what goes on with him, he's just kind of the guy to keep your eye on in the free agent market, but going past that, I want to talk about the Summer League, and I'm actually not starting with the Thunders, I'm not starting with the Vegas Summer League at all, actually, I'm starting with the California Classic, and I'm talking about OKC Blue Star, omer yurt 7 and if you guys want to listen back to my blue series every one of those 15 games they played i had a game recap even had some exclusive blue episodes back then february march Omer yurt seven was the guy he was going off at the end of the year and even at the beginning of the year he was a productive backup but he blew up at the end when moses brown got recalled he's out here dropping 34 points he's dropping 22 in the next game like he was firing on all cylinders and it wasn't just the offensive game he was getting rejections rebounds on offense or defense and his three ball was golden So he looked like the complete package, and I said whenever the Heat signed him, you know, this guy's going to be, at worst, a decent backup big man for you, and he just has been great in the California Classic. I don't remember how many teams are in there. I know he faced the Warriors, and it might have been the Kings. I forgot what the first game was, but played the Warriors. Dude makes a clutch rejection, saves the game, and the game before, he's out here drumming up like 29 30 points when it was like 80 to 78 or something that was the final score so he was playing so well to the point that his contract which the heat gave back in like late march maybe maybe even may i forgot what month it was but this contract was a one and one and it was kind of what charlie brown jr has which is you're going to play all of two regular season games he could have played in the playoffs that did not happen for them but you go into next year you have your rights tied down in the heat and you pretty much are just fighting for a spot on the roster he doesn't have to worry about that anymore he just inked a two-year contract with the miami heat and it's for all of like 3.5 million dollars This man deserves every single penny going his way because of what he's done with them. When you want to check out what he did the last two games in California, averaged 26 points and 13 and a half rebounds. And with OKC, on the blue, averaged 15.2 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 1.5 assists in 21.1 minutes a game. He's not a Moses Brown. He's not flying up and down the court. But if you're playing in the half court, he can set you a high ball screen. He can go out. He can shoot it from the top of the key, or he can drive in. And is this me over-exaggerating a little bit? Maybe, because as I talked about earlier, you know, months ago, earlier, what am I talking about? But there's a clear difference between G League play, Summer League play, and then the actual NBA games. And the the big thing I said was, if he can't shoot the basketball, it's probably not going to work for him. He'll still be decent because he can rebound, he can score inside, but he had to get that three to kind of separate himself from the pack. And he has done that, with the Heat, and now I think he's worked his way into playing 15 to 20 minutes a game under a Heat system, and he'll probably excel with the current roster. They have a lot of shooters, and Omer Yurt7 will be a glue guy, so he might be a role player, but he's gonna be a very serviceable one at that, so just congrats to him. I mean, am I being selfish? Am I being... little bit jealous, and being like, you know, Thunder could have kept him, absolutely, I am a little bit hurt by the news, but it's clearly the best for him, and as I said, every penny he's getting, he's earned it, he killed it all throughout the G League, and it wasn't a fluke, you can tell by what he's doing uh, this month in those last two games, but kind of have to look past that got to look past him Moses Brown all those guys that were just going off earlier they've kind of dispersed they're not on the team anymore same goes with Melvin Frazier Jr. I've even seen on box scores that Xavier Simpson might be with the Lakers I didn't see him log any minutes so I don't know but a lot of people are going to be gone and you have to kind of look towards who are we going to see on this summer league roster and even on the blue I don't know about the blue it's really far out but you can look at the summer league roster and try to maybe jot up who is going to be on that team because the thunder they debut in two days they're going to play against the detroit pistons prime time espn2 perfect game marquee matchup they knew what they were doing when they scheduled Cade cunningham's debut against the oklahoma city thunder and we know who's going to be on the Pistons team. We don't know who's going to be on the Thunders. And it's it's just classic from the organization to do this, where they don't want to say anything, whether it's the most minuscule free agent signings or tiny trades where you move Jalen Lequeu for Leaf in a second round pick. Just like the tiniest of stuff, they never let anybody know about it. And Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski probably hate them because they can't really report on stuff. Until you know it's kind of been obvious. You can't really sketch up many accurate reports until it's finalized. So we don't know what's gonna be going on with their full roster, but there's been some digging done to where I think I can make a somewhat accurate prediction on this team and don't expect it to be a hundred percent. I'm gonna clarify who is confirmed, who's not, when I run down this list of names. But Don't go around spreading this news that every person I say is 100% guaranteed to be on there. I'm using context clues and I'm using legitimate reports for some of these guys. But for the most part, context clues is kind of what I am going after. So there's a couple confirmed players that we knew about for a couple weeks now. And Teo Maladon is the first one. He was addressed in the post draft conference from Sam Presti. Teo will be participating and Alexei Pokashevsky will not. Will his name be on the roster? We don't know, but the plan is he's going to be absent from Summer League and he'll be working either through training or some something, probably just training. He has a personal plan that he's tending to. Teo does not. So he's going to be able to spread his wings even more in Las Vegas, he averaged 10.1 points, 3.2 rebounds and 3.5 assists in his rookie year where he also led the team in minutes, which is kind of ridiculous for a second rounder. But that's kind of the star you look at. The returning piece who uh hasn't really gotten a shot in the summer league yet, but you know, he will still have some something to prove cuz who knows how this rotation is going to shape up with the four guards that we currently have and maybe even five if you want to go into the nitty gritty of things but past teo all four of the guys that the thunder selected and josh giddy trey Mann, jeremiah robinson earl and aaron wiggins are going to be playing and giddy pick number six you gotta see him he's gonna be the star a lot of passing from him i don't really know if he's gonna be adamant on trying to score or he'll just conform to like a point forward role, but yeah, he'll be a big player there. I think Trey Mann is a person to look out for if you're going for who's going to lead the team in points. This guy's step back jumper is beautiful. Even driving in, he's amazing. He's got the full package offensively, so I'd be uh, looking at him really highly right now. Same goes with Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's pretty good at everything. Master of nothing right now, but he was killing it with Villanova. I think he'll be a suitable starter in the games in vegas for aaron wiggins i don't know where he fits into the roster and i'll go into some of the guys later that we have confirmed but he's kind of more of a two or a three he's six six some may say six foot seven three and d nothing flashy this is the perfect glue guy that's how he was able to get an invite originally he was a g league uh, invite for their combine and You know he fit everyone so well. All the teams, you know, the management, scouts, media members—they voted. They wanted him to be in the legitimate NBA combine, and he was still pretty thorough in those two games. To where the Thunder wanted to take a shot with him late. So I'd say 20 to 25 minutes a game is a good one with him. I don't know if he's going to be garnering the same amount of minutes. As the first four guys I've mentioned so that's five already that we know and it turns to six when you mention Rob Edwards talked about it two three days ago I broke this story I talked to Rob Edwards agent and he confirmed that Edwards is going to be on the roster and I raved about him for 10-15 minutes in that podcast but I'm going to shorten it down for right now this is a guy who can go off for 25 points in 10 minutes, but then he can go one of seven and have like two points. He doesn't really get fouls. No bailouts with him. Not a Jordan Clarkson where you can lean on something. He works on the perimeter and he can even drive in, but every point there's no BS attached to it. This guy's going to have to pull up from three. He'll hit those. If he's feeling it wide open on the catch and shoot, he's going to swish it every single time. He ticks up so many levels it was really hard to see anyone like him in the G League setting last year, especially for someone that started off the bench. So he's 24 right now. I don't think he's going to get a contract from the Thunder. Would he be like the star of the blue this season? Potentially. But when you look at the pecking order, sadly, I think Teo comes first, Man comes first, Giddy comes first, maybe even Wiggins he's probably going to be a backup shooting guard, and he's 6'5", there's no wiggle room, he's playing the two, that's point blank all he's going to do, but he's very efficient when it comes from shooting from the floor, shot 44% from distance, I don't think that's going to trend down, but you only have four games for the Thunder here, so hopefully you don't see too many stinkers from him, if he goes off though, he might be leading the team in scoring in one of these games, and I I'm not even going to be shocked. It's almost expected based on what he did with the Oklahoma City Blue last season. But moving beyond him, which is a person that we, you know, kind of have grown accustomed to, Emmett Williams will be playing for the team. And this was a report from Raymond Representation. I think that's literally his agent who uh, posted this, but it came from his Instagram page. And it looks like he's locked up to play for the thunder roster and he's six six he's a forward though kind of one of those bigger like bulkier 230 240 guys where i'd almost compare him to like a deontay burton build where yeah he could legitimately play the four for you and maybe they'd want to go that route with him in terms of what he did uh prior to getting this invite it wasn't a ton and he played for the Aguacaliente Clippers. In the G League bubble last season. That was his only season in professional play, played for LSU beforehand. He only averaged 4.2 points and 4.2 rebounds. So this had to be based off potential. They must have seen something in him because, you know, if you're sorting by stats here, he's not ranking too high. So they must have seen something in some film that really sparked their interest. But he's going to be playing. And that makes seven confirmed players that we know are going to be playing on the roster. And this is where you go from knowing to just pure speculation and, as I mentioned, context clues. And you can go to some places and they're going to say said person is confirmed. You know, for all intents and purposes, they might be correct, but if I don't see an agent write this out or Wojnarowski post something I'm gonna say no I'm not gonna say 100% but very likely for some of the people I'll be rattling off and this is based off of an Instagram video we saw from Trey Mann and for others on this list there's even more indicators to why they'd be on this roster but you can't say right now because no one has publicly voiced that they're on the team And it starts out with Ryan Woolridge. And I've talked about him for a while on my Twitter. I posted about him like two times a day. And, you know, I've I've searched in his name before on there just to see if anyone else has had some inkling to him. Like no one talks about him on Twitter, which is kind of surprising to me. He was really good for the blue last season. Not like a standout, maybe like a Rob Edwards would have been, but by the end of the season, he was really good, specifically penetrating to the basket. He wants to take contact, and that's it. From three, he's a work in progress, but I really like the way he slashes to the basket, and seriously, the end of the year, where the Thunder were just points away from making the playoffs, they were only in that situation because of Ryan Woolridge. The whole team They didn't fall apart in the back end of the season, but they just kept slipping in the clutch, and they didn't have many times they needed to play in the clutch, because they always blew people out in the first half, they weren't used to it, Ryan Woolridge played for Gonzaga, always been high stakes playing there, and you know he moved seamlessly over, so he was, I think on his final game, I think he had like 15, and I just distinctly remember this man was like the Energizer bunny out there. Like, everybody else, they were just doing some shoot-around stuff on defense. They were alright, but there was no separating qualities like what we saw in the first couple of games with them. Ryan Woolridge just had that like light in his eyes. He was just running full speed. He was going like Kenny Hustle on everybody. So, I really love the motor he brings, and as I've stated, he's not 100% confirmed, but... A lot of things point to this. On his Instagram story this week, he was in Oklahoma City, and also it looks like he was in Trey Mann's Instagram story as well. So I hope he plays for us. In terms of his news past the Summer League, if he plays for the Thunder, he's not going to be on the blue, and he earned himself a contract overseas. Araklas is the team name. Hopefully, I didn't butcher that, but it's a team in the Greek Basket League. So. He'll be moving overseas, and I cannot blame him. I mean, he has a lot of skills, and they probably are offering him, you know, a decent amount of money, so you really cannot be all that mad. We'll be kind of sad not to see him in an OKC blue jersey uh, anymore, but that's that. He's someone to look at. Two more guys to look at. These guys have been all around the Thunder organization in the last six months, Jalen Horde and Vint Kredge are those two and Jalen Horde's not this no name I mean he literally played for the Thunder like for double digit games and he was producing 6.1 points 3.4 rebounds and 1.3 assists that was his stat line during his time and he's really good at slashing he's one of the best foul magnets that were you know that was on the roster actually that I'd say on the Thunder and clearly. He was the number one guy in getting fouls with the blue, and he was playing behind Poku, kind of like in Edwards and Woolridge. He wasn't expected to get this two-way contract. He had to really work for it, and even though he kind of had a bit of a name value, he was a five-star, had a two-way the year prior with the Trailblazers, he wasn't set in a situation where he was going to be guaranteed one past the regular season uh, with the G League, and he was great, so... He looked to have been in Man's Instagram story, and also, you know, he was in the UT runs as well, so that's what I go with on him. And then Vit Kredschi, he was also in Man's Instagram story, but also, too, we've heard about him for nine months. He just got bought out, like the Thunder paid however many million dollars to basket Zaragoza, so he's released from there. He's going to be suiting up with the Thunder sometime, and it'd be very weird if that just wasn't the case. The thing with him is whether he's ready to play five-on-five basketball, and I don't know. We've seen tape of him shooting threes, we've seen him working out in the Thunder practice facilities at like four in the morning, but he tore his ACL, and that's very serious. You don't want to play somebody at 90% because if they get re-injured, you're back to ground zero, and there's another year right ahead of you where you just got to keep building him back up and you don't want to make a mistake so I'd probably say that he's on this roster I think it'd be very weird if he was not listed at least on the team kind of like what happened he was on the blue but um he never actually played so I'd say he's on this roster as well and then kind of a surprise here Jalen LeQ should be on this roster too he was on Trey Mann's story he was also in Oklahoma City this past week and he played 6 days for the Thunder, got traded for TJ and that 2027 second, really high flying athlete. Hopefully he will be joining the team. Really really a cool timeline though if that shapes up because of you know, I'd say once you move on from somebody after a week during a trade, there might be a bit of tension, but you know, he's looking for the best opportunity in the summer league, and maybe that does come with the OKC Thunder. If I were to look at it, I'd still think Teo, Giddy, all those guys probably would be above him, but he'll still get his time to shine if he is, in fact, on the team. He played for the Fort Wayne Mad Ants last season, and only played four games for the Pacers before getting waived. During this time with the Mad Ants, though, he was pretty productive. Averaged 14.3 points, 3.6 rebounds, and 3.2 assists. So he's known for just slashing inside. And he has a tendency to kind of get erratic. He'll make some kind of clumsy mistakes. Even as a passer, people have been concerned with him, but it doesn't matter. We're just going to let him spread his wings out in Vegas. Same goes with everybody if they're on the team. So I think we'd probably see him. And then a shocker here who... I don't necessarily know, you know, like with Roll Ridge and the you can look at Trey Mann's Instagram story and say, oh, for sure. I know that's him or it really looks like him. Lindy Waters, the third out of Oklahoma State has been buzzing around and people have said, you know, they've looked at a photo and said, that is Lindy Waters right there. And it might be true. I don't know. This is one where I wouldn't give the same odds as the other ones. You know, I'm covering my tail here but I'm serious. I I don't know, but it would make a little bit of sense because he's been in Oklahoma for the past year. You know, he finished his time with the OSU Cowboys following the 1920 season and he didn't return. So he's kind of just been out there ever since he didn't sign overseas. He didn't play in the G league. There was no summer league. His last time playing professional basketball Came a couple months ago, or that's when he signed a deal. He's actually played probably like inside a month, uh, really, but he signed a deal with the Enid Outlaws. And this is from the Basketball League. That's actually what the association is called the Basketball League. So he signed on with them. I'm assuming it's one of those regional exclusive groups. Like if I were to make an example, I might compare it to like minor league baseball where you're in the whatever league, I think it's called the Texas league, where you're only playing people around your region. I'd assume that's how this goes. I don't think the Enid outlaws are flying to New York to play basketball games, right? They're probably shuttling around to Texas or something, but he got signed there and clearly he did a really good job because he got offered a deal overseas last month with palmer alma Palma of the leb and i think that's like the second tier league in spain correct me if i'm wrong but yeah he got signed overseas just like woolridge though and like a lot of people who are going to be participating in the summer league you can be signed overseas and still play in you know like five or so games that's just how it goes and for example Samaje christian Is on the Nuggets team and he's like damn near 30 years old now. So it's possible for guys like that to play. And if Lindy Waters is in fact on the team, it wouldn't shock me. Like the Thunder are known to bring in hometown guys. And I don't know if OU has had someone on the Summer League, but they really enjoy just picking apart guys out of Stillwater. I know Markell Brown played for the Blue for some time, Jawan Evans actually played in the thunder uniform i think one time but he got a 10 day contract or something and then even michael cobbins if you want to go that <laughs> that route too he played for the blue for a couple seasons so they like the talent that they find out of there and it makes sense to bring him he's like a 2 or a 3 and he's just a primary shooter he's been around oklahoma for a year and if he's still just hanging around enid I wouldn't be shocked to see him suiting up with the Thunder Summer League roster, but you never really know, and that kind of does it for people that have a lot of inklings surrounding them, and there's two guys that have inklings, but we haven't seen them in photos, we haven't seen them through social media, they're just there, and I'm going to start it out with Charlie Brown Jr. He got signed to this two-year deal, just like Yurt7 did, where you play like three regular season games, you get 500k or whatever the minimum would have been. And then for the next season, you're not guaranteed for any money. You're just trying to fight for a roster spot. And we haven't heard much from him in a very long time. And even if he doesn't play for them, he got a sweet deal. He played against the Clippers, made like six figures off it or something to the tune of that. I don't know the exact number, but he played literally one game to get that and now he might be on the summer league team. I think he's twenty-four. He might be twenty-five now, but he's a good three and D prospect. He wasn't all that amazing in his two 10 day contracts with the Thunder, but you gotta give him a benefit of the doubt. Like they were dropping games by 30 points. And even during those times, I remember against the Pacers, like the franchise worst and they're out there scoring their franchise high. Charlie Brown Jr. was like first or second on the team in field goal percentage. And I don't think he was shooting above 40%. So it was wacky. That was a wacky time to talk about. But he might be back. The only reason I'd say that, though, is he's under a contract. And it's an NBA contract. If he's not there, it'd be pretty wild. I don't know who would give him that advice not to show up when he's in... The market to make a million dollars so he could be returning I don't know and Josh Hall's the other one I hope he's back and the qualifying offer being extended to him should probably indicate that he would be on the team but we didn't see him in Trey Mann's story we haven't heard him getting signed to a two-way deal or a full-time contract granted a guy like Vit Kredschi has not had any news but we kind of know he's going to be playing so I don't know what the whole deal is with him but he's still one of the people that are on the fence so that's the way I want to report it like all the people that I've labeled pretty high shot of them playing but there's only seven or eight guys that are legitimately confirmed and I'll just run it back one more time just so you all know it's Teo Josh Giddy trey mann jeremiah robinson earl aaron wiggins rob edwards and emmett williams so that's seven people and then you go down to the potential guys on kind of a short list so we'll see who's on the team i'd expect them to post the roster if not later today they gotta post it tomorrow like 24 hour notice has to be issued they're gonna take their time though just as they always do. And when they want to take their time, it usually leads to success. So I'm going to let Sam Presti and everybody else do their thing. I'm going to continue to just twiddle my thumbs around and try to draw up who's on this summer league team, because it's actually pretty fun trying to pretend like I'm a detective or whatever you want to call it. I'm trying to crack a code here with uh, who's going to be going to Las Vegas in a summer jersey. But If there's any more updates on that, the free agent front, any news, I'll get that to you all tomorrow, but that is going to do it for today's episode. So I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.